This past year, much attention was placed by those who have been elected to represent us in government on the crisis facing our healthcare system. For too long, people have been dying for access, lack of access to quality healthcare. Many put off needed preventive care and ignore minor maladies until they are so sick that they are forced to the emergency room where they incur bills so high that bankruptcy is their only option. Our nation's healthcare system is broken and it remains in peril despite the bill passed this year. And while this is a worthy and necessary topic for our elected government officials to deal with, those of us elected and called to religious leadership have a crisis on our hands as well. You see, our nation, indeed our world, has a spiritual health crisis. Our spiritual health care system is broken, too. Each week, thousands of people make their way to religious institutions seeking healing. They are weary with the troubles of the world, broken from the injustices of our society, hurt by those who have abused their trust. They are bleeding from the soul, faint from the lack of spirit moving in and through them, malnourished from broken roots and bruised relationships. They come to religious communities seeking wholeness. They come seeking healing. They come seeking the love of God and of their fellow humans, the nurture of connection, the comfort of friendship. And too many of them enter houses of worship where that wholeness and that healing has a cost too steep to pay. In too many places, people are taught that grace and healing require adherence to particular creeds, that it is unavailable to those who think differently, who act differently, who love differently. In too many places, people are teaching that the love of God is not only conditional, but scarce. People enter the doors of religious communities bruised and broken and are refused the care they need unless they fit a narrow set of criteria, criteria that separate people into saved and damned, in and out, us and other. We have a spiritual health crisis in our world. The way to address this spiritual crisis is by building religious communities in which the price of admission, the spiritual price of admission, is free, in which all are welcome, whatever their beliefs, whatever their experience, however deep their spiritual wounds. I call it universal spiritual care. And the way to offer people healing is through community and relationship not through isolation and individualism. Last month at the worship committee meeting, we had what I'll call a spirited discussion about the purpose of religious community. In particular, some reacted strongly to my assertion a few weeks ago that we gather in religious community because the salvation of the world is at stake. In that sermon, I claim that the impulse that drives us to seek connections to something greater than ourselves leads directly to the call to build a world more fair and just than the one we live in today. 
I stand by those assertions, yet today I am called to make them more complex. Nothing is ever as simple as it seems. Each of us, you see, is part of the world, and as such, the healing of our spiritual wounds is part and parcel of the salvation of our world. Healing the world begins at home. It begins with those gasping for the breath of spirit, with those thirsty for the quenching waters of community, with those in critical condition deep within their souls. It begins with the bruised, broken, and battered people who walk into our doors every week, newcomers and old-timers both. And so we come to this place with that in mind, we seek the connections of religious community, knowing that our personal wholeness and the wholeness of our world are not separate but equal goals. They are one and the same, interdependent and intertwined. We come to this place of welcome and openness because we know that this is a place of universal spiritual care, a place where we understand that each of us enters with a piece of the truth. We also understand that each of us comes with our own set of experiences, our own set of joys and celebrations, our own set of sorrows and hurts. No one else's life is exactly like yours, and no one else's life is exactly like mine. We each have our own unique personal spiritual journey we each walk a unique set of pathways through our life. If we're lucky, we share significant parts of that journey with others. Significant others, children, partners, friends, colleagues, teachers. If we're open to the experience, we let others accompany us, guide us, sometimes even carry us down the pathways of our life. If we're intentional, we can share the parts of our journey happening right now with the others here in this community. This past year at our fellowship has been all about those journeys and the stories that come from reflecting on our spiritual journeys. Our children have been spending the year alongside us in this exploration, learning to be inspired by the world around them, learning to seek deep connections with others, learning to follow the paths of justice, and learning to listen to their passions and callings. Together with them, we have touched the center of our sorrow and reflected on what sustains us. We have risked looking like fools for love and dared each other to live from our deepest passions. And in the last month of our fellowship year, between now and the end of June, we will spend some time celebrating the high points of our journeys. We will be with joy. We will dance with wildness. We will see beauty and know the love that comes only in community. Before we do so, though, one last acknowledgement for now that every journey comes with low points as well as high ones. Singer-songwriter Mary Chapin Carpenter sings of the stones in the road that mark us on our journeys. If you drive a car, surely you know the stones of which she sings, the stones that fly out from beneath tires and make deep scratches in our paint, sometimes cracks in our windshield, 
dents in our hood. Through her song and this metaphor, we know that before we experience them, those stones are precious moments waiting to happen, diamonds in the dust. And then they hit us, and we feel their pain. We feel the scratch, we wince at the crack. We feel the pain, and yet we drive on. But we are never the same. Those marks become part of us, for better or for worse. And most of us come here not as perfect, shiny new creatures, but as dented, scratched, and worn ones, bruised, hurt, and wounded by myriad things along our journeys. We come here seeking hope. We come here seeking healing. We come here seeking wholeness. But where do we find those things? We don't find them sitting alone in a chair in silence. We find them in relationship with others. Now, some may bristle at my unrelenting assault on individuality, but I believe strongly that it has been taken too far in American society. Our spiritual ancestors, the spiritual ancestors of Unitarian Universalists, had something to do with that. So I believe that we modern-day Unitarian Universalists have a special responsibility to reclaim relationship as the foundational principle of religion. We, the inheritors of a powerful tradition that has helped millions of people experience the transcendent and the spiritual as individuals, must add to that tradition the understanding that the religious experience is one had together in community, in relationship with others. Love is not something experienced alone. It is something given and received. Reality is not something experienced alone. It is shared with all of the other beings in the universe. Process theologian Alfred North Whitehead taught us that every entity in the universe is a being in a constant state of becoming something new. With each new relationship formed, with each new thing learned, with each stone that flies up from the road and leaves a mark, we become something we have never been before. To Whitehead, all things were ultimately one, and no one thing could exist without being in relationship with everything else in the universe. So it is in human community. So it is in life. We must let go of the notion that any one of us is in this alone. We must embrace the notion that we're all in it together. The rocks that fly and leave marks on you bounce off and back onto the road, ready to fly out and leave a mark on me as well. The path that you are traveling right now has room for more than one abreast on it. Let us learn of the marks that stones have left on you. Let me teach you of the ones they've left on me. And let us walk this part of our journey together. The salvation of our world is the purpose of religious community. But our world doesn't conveniently end at our front doors. My dear friend Kate Beasley once said that religious education for children was, in her words, nothing less than saving the world. Indeed, religious community for people of all ages is participating 
in the salvation of our world. The stakes are high. The spiritual health crisis we face is real. And the answer to it is abundant love, universal care, and real relationships. The answer is finding people to share our spiritual journeys with, both the highs and the lows. May we find these things here, and may this community be a place of healing and wholeness for all who seek it. Blessed be.